Are you looking to build a career in the telecom industry? Have you wondered what are the roles and departments that exist within a typical telecom services firm? In this episode, we're going to be going deeper into this very subject area. Welcome to the Zista podcast, where we invite industry leaders and academicians to answer questions that students have within a specific subject area. Joining us today is Pratik Pashini. He's a business leader with experience in both B2C and B2B businesses. He's worked across different industry verticals. Pratik is a Fulbright scholar and he's worked with brands like Lucent Technologies, Taj Hotels, Tata Tele Business Services, and Tata Communications. Currently, he's the president of the enterprise business at Geo, India's largest telecom firm. Pratik is passionate about digital transformation, 5G technology, and smart classrooms. He's also a board member of the Vibax Forum and the Virus Broadband Alliance, and he's highly respected by his colleagues and peers. Welcome to the show, Pratik. We're delighted that, to have you with us here today. Um, so thank, I'd like to extend a warm welcome from the Zista team to you. Thanks, Amit. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Um, I thought we'd start by asking you something very basic. You know, uh, Could you tell us about the different departments within a telecom company? Sure. So, I will describe a telecom services company because there are sure. two kinds of companies, one which are in the business of supplying equipment and services and the other which are in the uh, business of providing telecom services to end customers. Right. Uh, so, see, there are departments and there are business units, right? right. So, the, a full-fledged uh, telecom operator which caters to both mobile services and landline services and IOT and cloud services. Uh, mm-hmm. Typically, we have business-facing units uh, right. or segment-facing units. So, say, say there's a consumer business and there's a B2 or B2C business and a B2B business. So, there are right. uh, then businesses that are there uh, which uh, manage that particular customer segment. Right. Uh, it all starts with the network. So, somebody has to design the network. So, there's a network design team. And somebody has to do the deployment of the network. So there's a deployment team. Right. So, the, so think of it as there is an architect who is designing the house, but architect does not construct the house. There's a construction team. So there's a network design team, a network deployment team, and then a network operations team. Perfect. So uh, and network operations team is the the team which then runs with uh, it, uh, which is what you call is operator and maintenance, right? So those are the departments in a network organization. Now, the there's, we talked of network, we talked of business. To right. enable the business to leverage network, you have a few functions. Uh, what are in telecom terms called OSS and BSS, uh, operation support system and business support system, which means when a customer wants to buy a new SIM, how does the order, or how does the order entry happen? Which system, which platform do you enter the order? How would the provisioning happen so that the sim becomes active? Uh, how does the billing happen so that this uh, sim is charged basis usage or basis the plan? So that right. is what well, is always is in the BSS system, which right. uh, uh, makes the services work and a system or a platform which uh, uh, enables that. So that's a big piece of telecom uh, because. If you're going to manage millions of customers, you can't do it on a paper pencil uh, or an Excel. You need a system that uh, does this, does 
the whole life cycle of think of it as onboarding to provisioning to first time activation to billing to driving usage and retentions to termination of the customer when he leaves the decides to leave then the entire services have to be orchestrated on a platform so that's right. uh, one of the critical hearts of uh, uh, a telecom services which is what is called as a OSS and a BSS operation support and business support system in right. business uh, in the business obviously there are departments which is your conventional say marketing organization which will do demand generation lead generation uh, uh segmentation uh there is a sales organization a distribution organization which again can have uh, outreach as in sales guys calling uh doing a door call door knock or uh, retail uh, showrooms uh, where customers can walk in and uh, buy the services or um, digital sales uh, or a tele engine uh, setup where customers are called basis a database basis their in- interest so those are the lead gen uh, and the sales part of the organization you obviously have to support uh, customers once they are onboarded um, or even in before they are onboarded and ask for a sim but it has not got delivered and yes. sort of fiber connection and nobody has come so there is a customer service uh, team which manages the life cycle of the customer and um, basically customer service is the cost of non compliance if everything were to go as uh, it's designed then you won't need a customer service uh, team right now enabling all of these uh, since we manage huge amount of database you need programmatic algorithmic rule engine um for both customer support as well as lead gen saying okay if this customer has not used the service for last 10 days there must be something wrong can you check the network whether the network is an issue can you check whether he's this is uh, disinterested or so so there's the uh, in a new age uh, company whether it is uh, you are in insurance or in telecom you would see that and since telecom is a daily product uh, usage product uh every usage or non usage uh, is putting a imprint on a customer behavior or a usage pattern so mining that data is uh, um another organization which looks at how do i manage the life cycle uh, of a customer so broadly there's a network piece design deploy and operate you have the systems and platforms piece which enables the entire life cycle you have a sales organization and the marketing organization um which would do customer outreach in various formats uh you obviously have regulatory because uh, uh this is a regulatory service what can you do what can you not what are the compliances so there is a regulatory and compliance organization uh besides obviously the hr um and finance uh, and infrastructure and real estate uh, operations so so then that broadly uh, would be the departments uh, in a telecom service thank you for giving us a really holistic view you know and i think uh, your insights are uh, very unique because you've actually had a chance to work in a consumer facing business you've had a chance to serve uh, small and medium uh, enterprise customers and now you are uh, you know heading the enterprise business at geo so you've actually been exposed to all the different customer segments uh, that are there in the tele- uh, you know for telecom services firm and that's pretty amazing uh i was hoping to go a little deeper and you know talk a little bit about skills and maybe you know um so say if i'm a student i'm i want to join the telecom industry right um what are the 
kinds of backgrounds from where students are actually coming or or candidates are coming from to join telecom firms. So you've obviously laid out different different departments. But I was hoping you could maybe touch upon that as well. See, I'm a big believer in fungible skills. Okay. I don't believe that uh, you have to be doing or you have to have done a particular discipline for X number of years for you to do well in that particular uh, field. Lot of skills, lot of capabilities are fungible. Okay. Uh, for example, selling a telecom service is, is similar to selling a credit card uh, mm-hmm. uh, service. So you deal with lots of customers. You have to find out who the right customer is for a postpaid or a prepaid. Similarly, a credit card or a debit card. How you are just typical. You figure out where what footfall locations customers visit. So. Uh, lot of skills uh, across functions uh, if you have to do data analysis of saying who's using whatever the same credit card usage pattern here it's a telecom usage pattern so right uh, i don't believe that there is there needs to be a specialist uh to be in telecom services i'll uh and i'll give a caveat uh, which is uh getting into the technology part of it where right uh, skills are uh, required and you need to understand uh how the various elements work, especially if you are in network design. Absolutely. Uh, right? So you would need uh, understanding of telecom, network, networking, uh, and so on. But if there's a student who's a fresher, who's looking at uh, uh, this, uh, sorry, but nothing that you learn in college prepares you to do uh, <laughs> work in a, say, a telecom organization or uh, because... Uh, there's a lot of theory that you learn. Uh, right. Practical uh, knowledge is different. So I I would not have an issue recruiting a chemical engineer uh, okay. for network design um, as I would recruit a telecom engineer. Yes, a telecom engineer would come with some skill set, some understanding uh, framework. But a lot of what we do uh, at work uh, is uh, what we learn at work. Right. And um, I mean, any which way I learn, what I learn today is outdated tomorrow. So uh, how does it even matter what I learned in engineering? Because that's going to be uh, soon outdated. And I think that's the key problem that students should uh, uh, look at. I don't think uh, the education in the form and manner that we had pre-internet uh, era um, works anymore. It has to be kind of a continuous learning uh, because the technology, and especially in this space, technology, cloud, AI, robotics, the, the technology is changing at such a rapid pace that just what you knew six months back is no longer, uh, uh, what should I say, uh, cutting edge. So this is about continuous learning and there's nothing which teaches you continuous learning. That is a job. I mean, yes, you have to have a mindset for it. You have to, what I call is the kira. Uh, to learn something new every day and uh, uh, understand the ramifications of technologies around you. Um, so, uh, but uh, I think, uh, see, if you're looking at engineering roles, uh, I believe engineering doesn't teach you uh, a particular subject or a discipline of chemical engineering or uh, mechanical engineering or electronics engineering. It tells you how to approach a problem and how to solve a problem. Right. That's at a very broad level. Yeah, at the core skill, it tells you to how to look at a problem, how to break down the problem into multiple pieces, and then how to solve that. That's what 
engineering degree uh, equips you with. And right. that is a fungible skill that you can apply to any uh, uh, problem. So, hence, I, as I said, uh, my network counterparts might not agree with me, but uh, I think if you have that mindset of problem solving, mm. uh, for gives and takes, uh, benefits versus costs, uh, these standard rules and principles can be applied to any industry uh, and any road. That's really interesting. And uh, one one key takeaway for me is that you need to have the right mindset, the right attitude, have an attitude to keep learning because that is what drives you to, uh, you know, stay on top of all the trends, uh, but also be willing to, in some cases, unlearn something that you know and relearn. So it's not just learning, but also that uh, be willing to reinvent yourself with unlearning and relearning, you know, and in the course of our careers, I'd be fortunate to uh, work in telecom, also see you in action very closely. So I've seen, you know, you yourself having unlearned and relearned things as you have progressed uh, in your career. So that's really amazing. See, I've, I've always said that the telecom industry is really dynamic and it, it continues to change rapidly. And I was going to ask you, is there something that students can do to prepare for the future? What what changes do you foresee coming our way? Well, see, I don't want to crystal gaze here. Uh, things are going to change. Right. Uh, yeah. Boundaries of technology and IT are blurring. Uh, right. So, uh, telecom companies today also do cloud. Telecom companies today do also software as a service. So, uh, uh, the lines are clearly bl blurring, uh, especially at the uh, fringes. So, I would just say that if you are interested in a telecom company, just know everything that has to do with telecom and technology. Uh, know about robotics, know about generative AI, know about internet of things, know about blockchain. Um, uh, all of these, and somebody will say, oh, by the way, blockchain is for financial industry. No, not true. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, a lot of the applications are in the financial uh, uh, industry, but the country called Sierra Leone in Western Africa uh, conducted their first elections using a blockchain platform. Amazing. So, 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 uh, often I I see, and that I, that that thing has been my experience is people and uh, kids and students and professionals uh, put a boundary wall around what is relevant for me and what is not. And I think that is the biggest problem because if you say, oh, blockchain is not for me, or if you say uh, robotics, that's not, that's out of syllabus for me. Uh, I think the uh, getting comfortable with that there's nothing out of syllabus is the biggest, interesting, uh, biggest switch that from a student life you have to do. Saying, uh, so, syllabus uh, right. So everything's, everything's in the syllabus, boss. Um, uh, and application of what you learn in some other aspect has usage in so many others for example we uh, we often talk of this example right that we would have got stuck with sans serif font of ms dos had it not been for the calligraphy courses that steve jobs did right uh, when he was uh, removed from apple and he went and did the calligraphy course or whenever he did the calligraphy course and he, he introduced the concept of fonts now, somebody would say, yeah, Caligraphy or Ismic, what is even the, that is out of syllabus for somebody who's focusing on computer science. But uh, uh, we know what fonts are thanks to Steve Jobs and his calligraphy classes. So, uh, nothing's out of syllabus as I uh, 
uh, very strongly believe in. So, boss, absorb, be a sponge. Uh, I was going to mention that same word. You know, I'm so happy you mentioned that. So you're saying, you know, fundamentally you need to have a small change in mindset that uh, I should not be uh, averse to learning any area or any subject just because I think it's not relevant to my domain. Rather, be be a sponge, absorb all of that. And see, you will get a chance to apply, you know, a concept in in a different area in in the con- in the context of your job and your industry. So that's ma- amazing, you know. No, I'm investing your. Why I said that, you know, I have a very contrarian view to hiring people. Uh, okay. Been uh, ten years doing this job, so he's good at doing this job. But somebody who's not done this, but who brings with him those toolkit of problem solving. And who has had multi-industry experience can actually do an innovation a lot better, can do a new way of thinking a lot better than somebody who's been there, done that. Because um, what tends to happen is that you start becoming rigid about what's the only thing that works and what will not work. Uh, So fresh perspective often uh, uh, helps. And uh, I mean, we've talked of all those cases of why uh, hotel industry been put by the side by Airbnb. Uh, yes. So one thought that the only way to run a hotel industry is to build a property, acquire, run, manage, maintain, right? Uh, right. And that one believed that is a, one way of running hospitality business. So, uh, so I think if you have to truly be innovative, you need diverse perspectives. And hence, uh, I would give full marks to somebody who said, oh, I'm dabbled in this for two years and something for three years and something else for three years. It's a risky proposition, especially sure. the recruiter is a very unidimensional uh, person who looks at only saying, boss, tell me, you got 11 years of experience in uh, telecom or not? Then sorry. Mm. So, it's a risky proposition, but I think uh, truly uh, enriching. Absolutely. And it's so refreshing to hear this, you know, because uh, very often, you know, you the the first gate or the first gateway to get into an organization is the HR team. And if you as a business leader have this thought process that, see, listen, we should welcome diversity. We should welcome different perspectives. We should welcome different skill sets. Because time and again, studies have shown that organizations that have this uh, mindset and approach to work with a diverse team actually produce remarkable results. Rather than everyone being straight jacketed and coming from the same background, you know. No, and uh, I think it's the belief, and I do. I think it's a misplaced belief that somebody who's been there, done that, will be will hit the ground running uh, on day one. And yes, he will hit the ground running day one, but he will bring about only incremental change. Right. Uh, so, uh, see, we are all in living in the world of quick gratification. So everybody wants quick results. Uh, but some of the best things happen when you invest time and energy uh, and pra- and bring about new perspectives, right? So, uh, this thing of quick gratification was who's going to teach somebody? Uh, uh, I'll have to bring him or her up to speed for the next three months. Or uh, bring somebody who's already uh, been there. And that, that's what uh, people often make uh, mistakes. Uh, nice to you. It's nice to you. Um, there's one topic I want to kind of touch upon, which is uh, a hot topic these days, which is about how AI is impacting different industries. So I wanted to ask you in the context of telecom, and I know it's a very broad question, but uh, you know, address it any which way you will. In 
how do you see AI impacting telecom? And do you see some jobs becoming redundant in the future? So, again, my take on that, telecom is no different than any other industry. Uh, uh, generative AI, uh, regenerative AI will impact, um, uh, I mean, uh, will change the way we conduct business. Right. Uh, I like what one of my friends said the other day. Um, he's a writer on tech. And he said, AI or generative AI will not take your job. <laughs> Person using generative AI will. Interesting. I, I've heard that too. Yeah. So, so I'm a strong believer of that. And it's not just generative AI, but tools, right? And I'll give you a classic example. Um, we were creating a new proposition for in my job. And um, I was to review the proposition. And the proposal, uh, I work for a B2B business. So it was a commercial, techno-commercial proposal to a big uh, company. Uh, and we were bringing this new proposition for the first time. And I started reviewing the document with the team, uh, which had prepared it. And I saw all the technical features and uh, elements and all of that. And I said, this is fine. This 20 pager is okay. But where is the two page preamble? Uh, that exact summary, if you will, on right. Uh, wow, what is this proposition? Why should you look at it? And what are the benefits of this proposition? And what do we bring to the table? Then you can go to the nuts and bolts of the, you know, the feature sets and the feature benefit of each of the offerings we have. And the team said, okay, boss, okay. I was sitting in that room and I said, give me five minutes. I put some inputs into a, one of the generative AI tools that I use. Okay. And the, obviously it had to be fed with as much data as I'd said that I'm working for this company. We want to offer this service to our enterprise customer. These are the things that we want to take. Um, uh, create an outline of a proposal. That generative AI platform came out with a three-pager. Beautifully crafted uh, proposal. And I said, I threw it over, uh, uh, over the WhatsApp uh, to my colleagues and said, here's the proposal. In 48 hours, you would do 60% quality job. Then uh, this, you would not be able to write it so uh, well uh, as this is uh, done. You probably need to do spend 10 minutes more on to editing and add, adding some specifics of that. Sure, sure. So, and I said that, see, now if there are two people who work for me and one guy uses the tool and delivers the output, not in 48 hours, but in 20 minutes, and he does that, he or she does that over and over again. Who do you think is going to grow? And who do you think is going to go by the wayside? There's somebody who's not using the tools. Absolutely. So it is all pervasive. It is, it can be used to impress your boss. It can be used to impress your customer. It can be used to, uh, one of my product managers the other day, we were evaluating a platform and the product manager just put a, uh, question again to a generative AI tool saying I am so and so in this company and I am looking at uh, CPaaS communication platform as a service uh, okay uh, vendors what are the criteria I should use to evaluate the CPaaS vendors? okay 
And it took uh, content about saying these are the seven, eight elements that you should consider while evaluating a C plus one. So you're doing it is helping you do your job better. Absolutely. Uh, and I think that's what it is. So it is not for a specific function. It is not for a specific level of uh, profession. It is for everyone. And I, I firmly believe that generative AI is going to be yet another tool. Like we have an Excel or a PowerPoint or a Word. Uh, but the product is as good as the user. Uh, and uh, uh, people who use it will be more productive, uh, will deliver better results. Uh, and those who don't will get left behind. And yes, the premium that we paid for analytical skills, a uh, lot of this analytical work would get done uh, uh, by uh, Generative AI. That would unleash. So how do you then use this to become a better profession? And that's what is going to be the next uh, uh, job, right? Saying that oh, if you even just for your mathematical skills, so oh, by the way, math problem can be solved. So what next? So what are you doing? Uh, so I believe people who can use the tools uh, supplement it with social skills. Social skills would be required. I mean, you have to do a deal with the customer. The customer wants the comfort that Amit is will do anything to make sure that his interests are protected or his company's interests are protected. Uh, he wants that comfort that uh, Amit is going to go all out. That uh, is going to be difficult for a um, uh, tool to kind of uh, provide. So a combination of social skills, analytical skills uh, will uh, should be Consider so somebody who's only focused on analytical skills, uh, that job may kind of, and irrespective across industry, uh, may get more and more done by uh, AI tools. All right, uh, thank you for again giving a comprehensive answer and uh, you know talking to us in so much in detail about how telecom service companies operate, the different departments that are there, uh, the skills that you need, and you rightly you rightly highlighted how. You know, we should only look at fungible skills, you know, not be so concerned. What's more important is to have that learning mindset. And I think, uh, you know, I'm walking away from this discussion so much richer in terms of what we've discussed and so much, you know, so many, so much ground that we have covered. So thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Amit. We really, really appreciate it. No, always a pleasure. And uh, I love interacting with young minds. Uh, this is the age of reverse mentoring. Right. Because... People, kids uh, who are 20 years younger to be, 30 years younger to be, have a lot more to provide. And I think uh, this is one thing that I've been trying to tell everyone. Reverse mentoring should be a must in all corporates because uh, you're likely to learn more about what's happening in the world and the new tools from somebody who's 20 years younger than somebody who's 20 years older. Right. That's a nice concept. It's a good note. Uh, for us to to bring this session to a close, and you know, I'm I'm gonna go back and uh, you know read up a little bit more about reverse mentoring, and to see if other organizations are implementing it. Most certainly, you are implementing it in your organization, so it's really nice uh, to hear that. Thank you, thanks, Amit. Thank, thanks as always uh, for uh, a good conversation. Uh, I shall see you uh, next time. All right, thank you. I hope you enjoyed this session. 
Pratik really shared some good insights on how a telecom service firm operates and the different departments and roles that are there in a setup like that. What's really important is to have an attitude for learning and being willing to try different tasks. I'm happy to say that we'll be coming back with another episode on the Zista podcast with Pratik, where we'll be walking through his life, you know, a day in his life as a telecom business head. Till the next time we meet, we'd say, stay curious.